0: Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. Featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks.
1: High drive, deep left field for Middlebrooks. Back and that is gone. Third home run of the day for Will Middlebrooks. The trifecta has the Red Sox on top, nine to nothing.
0: And MLB journalist Danny Vietti.
1: Vietti here. He's a, yeah, right-handed pitcher. He's six five. So you were right I'm thinking he's tall. He is. Pretty tall. We're from Cottonwood, California. Cottonwood, California. I don't know where I, that is. I don't know where that is
0: either. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
1: I'm kind of a big deal.
0: Here's Danny and Will. what oh, oh, people. This is Wake and Rake Podcast, Episode Forty Seven. I believe. Approach is it
1: really 47?
0: Yeah, I think so, man.
1: you know Tally it. It doesn't feel right because you uh, replaced me.
0: That yeah, was... to be honest, I considered not bringing you back because Pops held it down so well. You know, you left us for Nesson. It's fair.
1: Um, I just figured you'd bring someone on who would disagree with everything you say and shake their head yes the whole time. Which so. is why I wanted to bring him back. <laughs>
0: No other I mean, reason than
1: that. I don't. I don't blame you. But hey, for everybody. But I just want to show you guys real quick. So I'm in Boston right now. I'm in a hotel room, not my normal setup. Oh, let me, not not my camera off my computer. I don't have a good angle for you guys to see this. But that is the famous Sit-Go sign that you see behind Fenway Park. Right across the street. Where's Pretty the cool, trash? Right? I don't see the trash
0: on the street. Oh, that's right. That's New York. That's New York. Oh, yeah, because this is a, a nice city. That's New York. My
1: bad. That's yeah, classy. Uh, if you really want to see trash in New York, just uh, go to a game. Did they win? Look on the field in right center. What a joke that place is.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. What's going, on? what's going on, man? you miss me?
0: I missed you. I did. Are you gassed on a scale of one to ten? How gassed are you right now? Fucking
1: four. I'm a beast. I'm not tired. You went to Omaha. Listen, I'm talking baseball, man. I I, I miss my kids, but I get more tired chasing my kids around the house.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this is like vacation for you. I'm not telling Jenny. That's not not my words. Yeah, she listening. (laughs) She's got more important stuff to do Listen to us talk about baseball. No, that's cool, the relationship you guys have, though, because she's on the road a lot when she's doing CBS Sports Network stuff, as you did this last week. She's on the road a lot during SEC on CBS. So it's a give-and-take relationship, but it's got to be hard. I'm sure you miss the girls.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. She was here with me. So, yeah, I went to Omaha. I got my first game in the booth, Arizona yeah. at Creighton, which Arizona is a good ball club. Got to go to uh, – it used to be TD Ameritrade. Now it's Charles Schwab Stadium, I believe. They changed it recently. Mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade sounds better, but the, the big scoreboard still says Ameritrade, but on the jumbo screen they have Charles Schwab. Anyways. Cool place. Huge place. It was cold and windy and not ideal baseball conditions, but it was fun to be in the booth. I've never done that before, uh, other than my auditions with with Nesson. So I had a blast. I was with Chris Lewis, who works for CBS, a young kid. He's like 30. So uh, we had a lot of fun talking ball and just trying to have fun while there was a cold, boring baseball game going on.
0: I want to dive in deeper on your last week's experience because I promised our listeners and viewers last week that we'd get some behind the scenes type stuff from this last week and the whole experience of it. But let me tease the show real quick. I want to get your takes regarding Miggy's 3000th hit, which was a big moment in baseball. We will be talking about the trash that is the right center fan group that threw trash at the Guardians outfielders on Saturday. I want to talk about the unwritten rules situation just make it a weekly segment at this point uh, with the Nationals being upset with the Giants for stealing second with a six-run lead in the ninth inning apparently that's the mercy rule standard now is six runs we'll get into that and then I want to get your biggest takeaways obviously you've been immersed in Boston Red Sox baseball for the last um, all season really and especially now with you at Nesson. I have a feeling you got a good look at Trevor Story, making his debut, Um, getting no hit through nine, tying it up. And then the Rays walked it off in the 10th. That was a hell of a game. But first, I want to ask you about behind the scenes type stuff, because I saw before you started Nesson, you had your debut Thursday. I'm 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 uh, I'm not mistaken, right? Thursday. Let's see. It was, I think my day, de- no, my
1: debut was Friday. It was right. so, okay. So here's Third the deal. You
0: were at the ballpark though.
1: I was okay. there. So originally my start date was the 22nd, which is Friday. Um, then I decided to go straight from Omaha to Boston because I wanted to be there Thursday night for Jerry Remy ceremony
0: pregame. It was quite I'm getting a- late or something, didn't it? Okay.
1: So, yeah. So, so Jenny was there. She was a, obviously a part of the broadcast group who worked with Remy and wanted to be there. So I tried to get there. I was supposed to leave Omaha at 10 a.m. My flight did not leave Omaha until 5:30, but they had to go to Chicago. I didn't end up getting to Boston until like one in the morning, so I missed the ceremony. So it was a day game the next day against the Blue Jays at home, and they're like, "You don't need to be here at like 9 a.m. Like get some rest. We'll start on the original schedule Friday." Um, so I went to the game anyways on on Thursday. Went out, got breakfast, went to the game. It was really a fun day. Just kind of got to be a fan. Went up and saw the new studio there at Fenway out in the right right, right center bleachers up there. I guess it's right field, pretty straight on right field, up on top of the ble- ble- bleachers up there above the uh, Ted Williams red seat. They put, they built this whole new pavilion up there. It's unbelievable. Um, I'll send you some videos or pictures you can put on, on here for our viewers. But um, watched the game, walked around Fenway, just saw a bunch of people. I haven't seen him forever. Um, Talked to my co-hosts, um, my producers, uh, everybody behind the scenes, and then yeah, the next day it was a 7 p.m. game, so I got to the studio around three. Mm-hmm. Our shows at six, prep some stuff, and then we were off. Man, I was. i It was me, Tom Karen, Tom Tom Karen, TC. He's been the guy who's hosted pre and post game shows for Nessin for God, I don't know. It's long before I was a part of this uh organization back in 07 so and my other host was jim rice hall of famer jim rice who's just a great a human being knows the game in and out very old school i mean considering the era he played in he still has the, the the old school ways of of hitting philosophies and things like that so it's fun to go back and forth talking you know telling him to earmuff himself when i start talking about spin rates and launch angles and all that fun shit but it's been unbelievable like i love my job at cbs um, this is a completely different angle. It's a it's an hour pregame show, and you go in a room, watch a game with your co-host, discuss it with your producer, put the show put a show together. What clips you want to talk about? What sequencing? What at bats I want to break down for the postgame show? Then you do an hour postgame show, take to the house, do it all again. So every month I come up here for uh, a week at a time.
0: You're doing HQ for CBS Sports still. You yeah. had your color analyst debut with cbs sports network and then now you're doing nesson of those three which did you like the best i think i like the pre and post game the most i think it's just um even more than color analyst because you but uh, allow me to brag a little bit i felt like a proud papa seeing <laughs> you up on the big stage as color analyst because for me like i had my parents over for dinner uh we put you up on the big screen Good if morning. you haven't noticed we got the new crib now so we have the TV mounted.
1: And oh, so put, thank I know you.
0: we're, we're, we're moving up in the world here. Um, I had you on the big screen. And as soon as I saw your face pop up, I told everyone, cause they were all in the kitchen. I was like, I, yeah, I told you, I felt like, I felt like a little you know proud pop. <laughs> I was like, guys, Brooks is on TV. Brooks is on TV. Everyone ran in the living room and everybody watched your, uh, at least your intro. I watched through six innings cause the game was kind of a dud. Yeah, but, dude.
1: When I tell you it, it was 45 degrees and 30 mile power hour winds. It was miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm good baseball weather. But, but I, just, thank you. I, I was I, I, fun. Enjoyed
0: I thought, it. For I thought you killed it. Like I I if it was my first time watching a baseball game, I never knew whether you had done this before. I would have never known it as your first time doing kind of like color analysis. So yeah. color analysis, I should say. So you killed it, man. I felt I was very
1: thank proud. you. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It was um it was a new experience. I think out of everything, I really enjoyed the pre- and post-game more the most just because. There's two other guys on your panel with you, mm-hmm. kind of like it. They're like your teammates. You do a show, you plan together, you do a show, and then you uh, you get to sit and just watch baseball and talk baseball for three hours. That's you get to stop. sit and
0: you get to sit in Fenway Park and watch a ball game. It could be worse.
1: So that's that's for the home games. So for the away games, I'm at the studio in Nesson, which is in Watertown. It's like ten minutes outside of Boston, but um, that place is still really cool. But you just get to sit and watch watch a three-hour baseball game well today it was two hours and 38 minutes which is super fast i'm sure now people are like that's too fast it's too fast we need more time <laughs> that's just what this is how it goes with baseball fans but yes it's been a, a crazy week but
0: it's been so cool proud of you thanks man
1: you can go back to pretend like you don't like me now
0: did you okay one more question, and, then I'll, and I'll go back to that because I like that much better than what's going on here. <laughs> other than Euclid telling you don't mess up, did you get any other advice before you went on air? If three, yes. Jenny, Jenny had to have given you a pep talk, right?
1: Um, not really. Actually, sorry, I'm trying to get this light to focus. Um,
0: that's the wrong way. There we go. I mean, you're on HQ. Um, they know it's not your first time. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Is this? See, is I my- thought you talking with waka on thursday night i think it was i was just curious if anybody was you know looking out for you giving you some tips and tricks um not not
1: really Mm -hmm. i mean this is my fourth season being an analyst now i'm not saying i know how it all works or anything but i'm comfortable behind a, a camera i'm comfortable telling producers hey this is what i think we should talk about this is what i see and i and i I'm confident in my ability to to break down baseball. That's what I do. So it was the first thing. Like it was the first time I had a new job, and I wasn't nervous. Mm-hmm. So I was I was excited, and plus I knew everyone. Jim Rice. I've known Jim Rice since I was 18. You know, he was he would be in the clubhouse spring training, trying to teach me how to swing down the ball. We'd make fun of, of him. You got the chop wood, son. That's what he used to tell me. I'm like, Jim, you didn't hit like that. There's no fucking way you hit like that. But okay, yes, sir, Mr. Rice Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, MVP. Beat it. He he was awesome. He was cool. But no, like I said, I, I knew everyone. I was familiar with producers, everybody, and it's
0: just baseball. So I look at this as just like I get to just talk baseball. You ever play slow pitch, softball?
1: No, I've never done it.
0: Strategy of the game is actually kind of hit downward on a baseball. You get that like top spin trajectory. Back That's day. what I was told back home. Yeah, I guess it's just different with slow pitch, it's different than baseball.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Completely, I, I got
1: invited to play in like my neighborhood, uh, slow pitch softball, but I was afraid it might kill somebody.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. Let's it's cool. too. So, let's get into our headlines, Brooksy. A lot of baseball to talk about, and I know you're not gassed yet because you already told me so, but back to being uh, unfriendly on the show because. Tired of all that mushy BS we had going there. It was too much. How about Mickey Cabrera? Dude, three thousand club, man. That's a big move. One moment, of
1: man. the best right-handed hitters this game has ever seen. So he is in a. He, so I know he's in lots of lists, but three thousand hits, five hundred homers, three hundred. Uh, what'd you say?
0: Three hundred batting average or more?
1: No, I'm going. I'm going deeper. That's that's a list of three guys.
0: Right,
1: Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Miguel Cabrera. So Mm -hmm. 3,000 hits, 500 homers, triple crown, no one has ever done it because Carl Yastrzemski had 3,400 hits, 450 homers, and a triple crown. That was the closest one.
0: Mm, I like that.
1: You're welcome. Look at you
0: coming prepared. There we go. I'm supposed to be the guy with the stats, bro. Come on.
1: Yes, that's ridiculous. But you know, in, in, in perfect Miguel Cabrera fashion, he shoots one through the, to the right side. He's done that. That's how, he, that's how you get 3000 hits. He's not up there trying to go bridge every time. He, he's like, oh, you left the four hole open. I'll take your middle in that way. No big deal. He keeps his hands inside the baseball better than anybody I've ever played against.
0: That's a run over from shortstop. That was my favorite moment. Former yeah, it, it, was,
1: it, it was cool. But I also played with Iggy through the minor leagues and a little bit in the big leagues. And part of me was just laughing my ass off because I'm like, Iggy's trying to get in that picture and that, that video for the rest of time. He was. I mean, he, they're boys. They played together in Detroit. But I was just laughing. I'm like, look at Iggy trying to get some TV
0: time. Forever, yeah but miggy and miggy talked to oh, i like that miggy and iggy miggy talked to iggy apparently like before the season and iggy like told him like when we play each other i want to be the guy that congratulates you first
1: oh really
0: yeah uh i'm trying to look up this this piece but basically uh they asked miggy after the game Miguel Cabrera. And he said he and Iggy had talked about that exact scenario before it ever happened. Like it was manifested almost.
1: Well, I guess Iggy shot a text to Aaron Boone the night before <laughs> or two nights before. Cause that it right now.
0: So Miggy said, we were talking the whole season. I've got to wait until he comes to Camara park so he can see 3000. He's talking about Iglesias. I said, I don't know, man. He said, if I get the hit in front of him, he's going to run the first base and he's going to be the first guy to hug me. And sure enough, it was Iglesias who was the first guy to hug him.
1: Iggy's he, a great teammate, man. He he always leads the league. He always leads the team in hugs and uh, a, amount of days uh, that he that someone wears white jeans. <laughs> he's a big white jean guy.
0: <laughs> he's also leading the league probably since he made his debut and flashy plays at shortstop, like unbelievable plays at shortstop. Because oh yeah, the best the best is when
1: he's running like into the outfield and just, like, swipes at it when he's, like, over his shoulder.
0: He's unbelievable. Did you see the play by Manny Pena by the way, on Sunday afternoon? The, the like, pirouette throw. To first? Dude, he he wasn't even looking at first base. Like, that's just instinctual. Inst- instinctual. So I played, I played with like, Manny before right? he got to the big
1: leagues. He was a triple-A catcher in uh, Colorado Springs mm-hmm. with uh, the Brewers, and then he got called up that year that I was playing with him.
0: Good dude. 360. He came out of the crouch, obviously, because he's behind the dish. 360, wasn't even looking, and he threw out. It he was, was hardly just, even on crazy. the ground when
1: he let go of the ball.
0: Yeah, it was unbelievable. He was, like, in the air. Speaking of the Tigers, they're at 6-9, and nine. so a little bit of a slow start for Detroit, a team that had high aspirations going into the season too, because they showed a lot of promise last year. But Torkelson going yard and bringing Miguel Cabrera home after the 3,000 hit, that to me was almost symbolic. Like, complete passing of the torch making getting his 3000 having his moment and then torque being like, all right, like you had your moment. Now it's my turn. You know what yeah. I mean? That was, that was a to me.
1: That was a bomb too. I like the swing, man. I think he, uh, he has a bat path that will play for a long time if he's healthy, obviously, but a um, little bit of a slow start, but I feel like he's starting to get it going.
0: So the next question becomes regarding 3000, 3000 hits is, who's going to do it next and how long will it be till we see it because it's elite company next in line in regards to active players with the most hits is robinson cano but robinson cano is 39 years old going to be turning 40 and he's in the last year of his contract with the new york mets
1: i don't really i don't really want to talk about steroid guys doing it he just got like literally it's so like there's so many rules in place right now for steroids. And and if you get popped right now, you just don't give a fuck. I'm sorry. Like you have to just blatantly be like, eh, I'm gonna take it and just roll the dice and I don't get I don't get tested. Because if you get tested, you are getting popped. Like there's no way around it. So I just feel like that's a blatant disrespect to the game. So I don't really care if he gets it or not.
0: Well a lot of people- I,
1: I, <laughs> I really I, I I really liked Robbie Cano a lot. I liked playing against them. I, I liked how s- the he was at second base, but I mean, come on, man.
0: Come on. What a lot of people would then ask you, though, is you've been a guy that has uh, been supportive of guys like Barry Bonds, David. Right. O'Reilly, who Right. Who
1: never that. failed a test. There were no rules in place.
0: I was going to answer your question for you basically, but yeah, there's a difference there. Like rules are in place where if you get popped, you get suspended. By the way, somebody on MLB Network, I'm not going to call him out. He keeps he, – he's keeping this narrative going of Robinson Cano is my comeback player of the year. No, 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 no. Like, if you got popped for steroids the year prior and what, were not able to play, you should I not mean, be allowed to get comeback player of the year of the year. I app. mean,
1: I love Nelly Cruz, but everyone seems to forget that he got popped.
0: You should never benefit from a suspension. Like, if you win comeback player of the year, that's oh, no, no, built. That—that no. that is
1: benefiting the- by still being in the league.
0: Because you're still making millions
1: of dollars to play a game that you cheated.
0: I'm just saying you should never benefit from it additionally. Like, if you play the game after that, you're good enough, whatever. Like, I'm not going to say kick him out of the league once you get popped. But you shouldn't benefit. Like, comeback player of the year is a guy that got injured the year before. Comeback player of the year is a testament to what you've been able to overcome in years prior. He didn't overcome anything. Yeah, over, really you know, overcome bad. a suspension you deal with it that's a consequence and then you move on but you don't benefit from it so Robinson Cano should not be allowed to come back player of the year at like like no disqualified I don't think suspended players should qualify for that award I think that's that is ridiculous to even to even think about that idea sign. the Yankees and Guardians interesting Ending to that game on Saturday. Glaber Torres. Talking about
1: the douchebaggery that happened in right field. Well, it happened in left field, too. It started in left.
0: Yeah. What was the worst experience you had at Yankee Stadium?
1: Yankees? uh... I mean, people can yell and say whatever you want. And I think uh, Miles Straw came out and said that. Or who was the outfielder? What was the the outfielder's name?
0: Quan and Mercado.
1: Mercado. So Mercado was like, uh, like, you can say whatever you want, but like, you're really going to like try to hurt me physically by throwing things at me. Like, that's where the line is. You're a fan of the game. Like, what are, what are we doing? Like, where's the human aspect come in? Like at what point do you go to a game and think you can just hurl bottles of liquid at people? It's a baseball game. And you it won, just, like your team just you won. won. You no, won. Well, it started because Quan freaking into the wall and left, and like was woozy. Like after the ball got it in, which whatever, good job getting it in. Then that was a ballsy play going full speed into a fence. Um, but supposedly there were some slurs out there towards him, uh, making fun of him for being hurt this and that, which shouldn't. There's no place for that. Um, and then yeah, with the the walk off by was it Torres? It was Glaber. Glaber, yeah. Like, what are you, what are you doing?
0: Should have been a big moment for Glaber, a guy that struggled for two plus seasons. <laughs> yeah, that's, should I have wanna, been a big moment. He's sitting there at second base because testament to Judge Giancarlo and Gallo, they went. That's out what I was about
1: field. to get to. Like, um, Judge no. was out there, Hicks Glaber's was out st- there, sitting there,
0: like the uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air meme where he's just sitting in the middle of the room with nobody there. Yeah. Poor Glaber's trying to celebrate, and all of his guys left because the fans are being. Everybody's
1: now throwing Glaber's just dumping water on himself in the infield. <laughs> you
0: ever seen the GIF of yon uh, yonder? Shoot, second baseman for the White Sox, yonder Yolmer Yolmer Sanchez. Oh yeah, when he dumps the water on his head, he dumps the Gatorade on his yeah. <laughs> <I love> head, <that. laughs> basically. Yeah, that was Glaber.
1: Because Judge is out there trying to like herd the cattle. It's a joke. It's sad. It's just bad, man people are shitty
0: like
1: how do you you know the sad part is you look out there and you see all these dads throwing stuff and their kid right next to them that's what disgusts me i'm a dad now so like it's i would never do something like that but even more so with my kid watching me like what are we doing just this isn't like have anything to do with being a fan it's just be a decent human being (laughs)
0: <laughs> there's, a, there's a nationwide umpire shortage over this last weekend with youth sports because you could call it a a strike if you will but it's not about money it's about being treated better because of all these parents that follow them after the game because their son they punch their son out and or, or daughter out and the parent then follows them after the game and wants to give them Are the business them in a one? youth game guys let's be better man
1: I mean, it's not that hard to just set an example. All right, let's move on because I'm getting pissed off.
0: One last point with the Yankees because I, over on the West Coast here, Yankees fans are often compared to Dodger fans, at least for me, because there's so many of them. Like the Dodgers are kind of the Yankees of the West. Yankee fans, Yankee what? Financially or what? Financially. Fans too, though, just because they're the powerhouse of the West.
1: Yeah, because they have fans everywhere.
0: Yankee fans are known as being very edgy. You know, the you had the fuck Altuve chance when the Astros came back into town. They're known as being very boisterous. They're known as being very vulgar at times. In the bullpen, they're a little bit more old school. Dodgers over here on the West Coast, you see videos constantly going viral on social media of fights breaking out in the stands. Like the Dodgers, you had the Brian Stowe experience with the Giants and Dodgers and Brian Stowe is hospitalized and never yeah. really regained form. Terrible. Mucho, mucho cervezas. See si, muchos. Uh, and Dodger dogs and cervezas. But they've been, so Dodger fans are known for fighting. Yankee fans are known for being edgy, if you will. Um, I'm sorry, you said it wrong. For being assholes? Yes. Okay. But to me, it's, it, it's you can't put them all in one box because my best friends growing up were dodger fans my neighbor next door dodger fans amazing amazing people unfortunately it's the loudest voice in a room that sets the precedent and sets the standard for it sets the public illustration and public perception of these fans
1: yeah i have i have good buddies that are great people that are yankee fans same same thing yeah
0: but it's that mob mentality yeah It's mob mentality is what what the phrase I was going for. So they're never wrong is what I'm getting at. So I I have a lot of Dodger fans that don't like me because I was kind of on the Padres bandwagon for a long, long time. And the Padres are kind of on the come up at least before last year. And so anytime I would argue with the Dodgers fan, and they may be completely wrong. I could be objective in, in my reporting or whatever I was doing. But if a Dodger fan came at me and I was in the wrong group on Twitter, all of a sudden, all these Dodger fans would come flooding my mentions because they just they support each other, right or wrong. It's like it's that fanatic versus just sports fan mentality. You know, what I mean, so you get that mob mentality, even if you're wrong, if you have 100 people behind you in support of what you're doing, you think you're right, you can play it out in your head, that you're right. So the guys out in right center that are throwing food at the Guardians outfielders, he might know what's wrong, but he has 50 guys behind him also chucking food. So he does it too. So it's like that mob mentality. I'm not saying it's right. I'm
1: it we call it peer pressure too. <laughs> sure.
0: Sure. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just, I guess I'm just basically trying to explain it and try to understand like where they're coming from. There's no excuse for it, but I'm trying to explain it in my head. Mob mentality, man. Let's move on. Another dicey subject, and I completely don't understand it at all. Tyro Estrada was not being held on at first base when the Giants were facing the Washington Nationals. Giants were up by six. Again, he was not being held on at first base. It's the ninth inning. He attempted to steal second base. Ball was put in play. Ball fell in successfully. Tyro Estrada tried scoring first to home. He was thrown out at home. Alcides Escobar and Victor Robles took exception to him trying to steal second base with a six-run lead in the ninth inning. And then Dave Martinez, after the game, when asked about that situation, he said, we didn't like a lot of the things that the Giants did. I'll leave it at that. You can go ask Gabe Kapler about it. That's the last thing I'll say about it. That was the Nationals manager, Dave Martinez. I don't understand six-run mercy rule. By the way, in that game, the Giants scored seven runs in a single inning. That exact game. And you're just expecting to weigh the white flag with a six-run lead in the ninth inning? I'm about, to one, I'm
1: about to unleash one of my favorite quotes of all time. And this, this applies to any sport. It, is, it, it uh, applies to life in general. i get closer so you can hear me. If you don't like it, play better. That's it. That's the end of quote. If you don't like something, do something about it. If you don't like someone stealing while you're losing, score more runs. Don't give up a six spot. It's not that hard to understand.
0: Okay, get, here's the deal. I don't
1: understand if it's a 10-15 if it's, if it's run lead in the last inning, I can understand a little bit. If it is a position player on the mound, I can understand it because it's like that is a team's way of throwing the white flag. Like, okay, we're taking we're not we're not throwing big league arms up there. Mm -hmm. And you kind of go base to base at that point. That's I guess you can call that unwritten. It's just kind of respect. But everyone's unwritten rules are different. That's the problem. There is no unwritten rules that are the same in every clubhouse. That's a problem. How are you going to see eye-to-eye on rules that aren't the same for everyone? Because they're not written. So there's no way for them to be the same. If it's like a massive, massive lead, late, late, like super late in the game, six runs is not a massive lead. Six six runs can go up quick in today's game. Not as quick as it has been. We'll get to that later. I think the balls are dead. But it's ridiculous. It's tired. It's tired, man. And and Kapler made it clear, like, we're playing our game. We're bunning because that's how he stays in the big leagues. That he, That's part of his game. If you don't like it, defend the bunt.
0: That's the sad thing about it is that Gabe Kapler was asked after the game. Now, he wasn't asked using these words, but I'm essentially paraphrasing here. He was asked why his team tried to score more runs with a six-run lead in the ninth inning. It doesn't make much sense, guys. Six-run lead?
1: Who is it? Herm, Herm Edwards? we play to win the game
0: not bad i've heard Played better but you, it wasn't bad you play to win the fucking game that's the second time that the giants too have been a- attemptedly or accused of um Breaking the unwritten rules. It was against the Padres where Mauricio Dubon attempted a bunt attempt. That was also in the sixth inning, by the way. That's because
1: Gabe Kapler runs a clubhouse that is loose. It's relaxed. He wants you to be yourself, and he wants you to play your game. I played for Gabe Kapler. I understand it. Gabe Kapler says, look, if this
0: is your game, play it. Play hard. And play hard. And play hard till the last down. I'm glad you mentioned that. How's Gabe look now compared to when you were underneath him? Because he was a rookie manager when you played underneath him, right? Yes, uh, He said how's he look? He's he's much more bascular. He's still jacked, but.
1: Well. Um, he's still on that <laughs> keto diet. Yeah. Um, I mean, his team had what 107 wins last year.
0: Right, but he was ostracized in Philly. It's Philly. They he was Hall. the first time he was the first time he's ever managed a team. Now he's got success over in San Francisco. He's got the backing of for anxiety and the entire front office and the fans too, which helps. So, so Gabe is very. uh,
1: Analytical. He loves the analytics.
0: Regardless Um, of success though, I'm talking
1: about optics. See, We started this off you being nice and now you're back to just cut me off every time in the middle of thought. So we're back. We're back. He's very analytical and he loves to be supported by people that think the same way. I don't think he had that in Philly. Mm -hmm. I think he has a very good connection and relationship with the front office in San Francisco. They're on the same page, same uh, wavelength and what they want to do and accomplish as a team on a daily basis, not just like a season, like these are our goals, like daily, analytically speaking, this is what we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And, Mm -hmm. I think he thrives off of that. And I think that organization is thriving, obviously, off uh, from that um, philosophy.
0: Are we going to get Gabe to uh, rock some Wake and Rake merchandise? Because I hear from a little birdie of mine that we have some new Wake and Rake gear coming out. There's some stuff.
1: uh, You didn't say we're powered by Swing Juice. Wow. Did I not? So our new sponsor... I said that, like, for two great episodes, though. An official merchandise supplier, Swing Juice, we do have some stuff in the works for you guys. I bet you And I may have given you a hint at one of those first shirts when I got closer to the camera and told you my favorite quote a minute ago.
0: So be on the lookout.
1: I feel like a failure. What was that? I feel like
0: a failure. I have one job.
1: It's been a while. You you brought your dad on. He disagreed with everything you said. He was a yes man. Daddy's back.
0: Oh, we're kicking one dad off for another. <laughs> what was your biggest takeaway from the first couple of weeks here of the MLB season? I think the baseballs are dead.
1: I think the. I stopped because I figured you were going to cut me off.
0: I have a, uh, I have, I have a snip, snip joke. There's a snip, snip joke in there somewhere. Somebody got, the baseballs got their testes snipped. I hope you get out of this because that was brutal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. Oh, anyway, so I think the baseballs are dead. We're seeing less runs scored. We're seeing less home runs. We're seeing, we're seeing balls at the same launch angle and same uh, exit velo. Not be home runs that were normally home runs. And this is, these are April stats compared to previous year's April stats. It's, it, it's like, is the league, is the league trying to even out things since they took away sticky substance? I mean, I, I I'm not going to name a name, but I had one of the top five players in baseball on everyone's list, most people's list, I tweeted, like, the balls are dead. Like, something's not right. And he sent me a message and said, dude, it's like hitting rolled-up socks. Like, the players are all thinking this. I had multiple players, but one of them being one of the best players in the game hit me up and was like, yeah, something ain't right.
0: Yeah, like, they, feel even,
1: they feel even more dead than they did last year.
0: League OPS is down, and that doesn't make sense when you consider the fact that the National League now has a DH. Right. It's opposite. Like, that's I think backwards.
1: There's, there's studies, which is, like, all right, obviously, thing, but if you look at the launch angles, and if a ball's hit at 30 degrees at, like, 107 miles an hour, it should be a home run. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, it was. And these balls are, like, one-hopping the walls or getting caught, like can of corn.
0: Part of it's weather. No, no, no. These these
1: these aren't okay. These April stats aren't compared to last year June. They're compared to previous year Aprils where it's also fucking cold out. There's teams playing indoors and they're still not traveling. Did you watch the Sox Tampa today? There were balls nutted and guys fucking thinking they hit them in the rafters and they're getting caught not even on the track.
0: Some, something,
1: out. something's oh. off. What?
0: Uh, I, I'm not going to argue against it. I, I believe you. I believe the players. You know, I'm not oh, the one hitting just the baseball. watch. Just watch the game? I'm not the one hitting the baseballs. I believe you.
1: No, but you can.
0: I'm not either. But you can
1: watch the game and nope. Full on police chase outside my window. I don't know if you hear that. Fucking Like a white Bronco just drove by. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. Literally,
1: like something's not right. I don't know what it is. I don't know. If they're combating pitchers, not having good grip and as good a spin rate. And they're trying to even things out. I don't know, but like, if the balls are going to change approaches have to change because if guys keep trying to lift the ball, because normally that's a home run. Now it's just going to be a bunch of flyouts. So we're going to have to get back to more of a line drive mentality or Receive really bad offensive numbers
0: glad you brought up launch angle line drives perfect example for you christian yelich Um, let me ask you this is christian yelich has he fallen off a cliff does he just suck now i'm asking you because i have hard-hitting evidence that supports the opposite i don't think he sucks i uh one of the
1: years he had really bad babbit so he like had a lot of bad luck
0: all right. So 2020 hit the fifth highest hard hit percentage in baseball. He hit 205, 205.
1: Yeah. 205.
0: Here in 2022, again, batting average wise, he's hitting 204. Okay. So if you're looking at his batting average, you're thinking, okay, Christian Yellow, it sucks now. He had back to back MVP candidate years in 2018, 2019. Now he's bad. But on the flip side of that, again, fifth highest hard hit percentage in 2020, yet he had a 205 batting average. Here in 2022, he's leading the league in hard hit percentage. 63.6% of his balls off the bat is a hard hit. Yet he Sorry. has a 204 batting average.
1: What's his ba- what's his bat? And what's his strikeout percentage?
0: Strikeout percentage is up.
1: That's going to mean the – okay.
0: Batting average on ball and play in 2020 when he had a 205 batting average, it was 259. It went up to 321 in 2021, and this season it's 281.
1: Okay. What's his strikeout rate? It's gone up. I know, but what is it?
0: 22%. No, no, I'm sorry. He's in a 22nd percentile. That's my fault. His K percentage is 28.8%, which is up. So in his two back-to-back MVP candidate years, it was at 20.7 and 20.2, respectively. Now it's up to 28.8, which is the second highest highest, uh, percentage of his career. So he's striking out more. I'll concede that argument. He's striking out more, and so I'm just trying to make this make sense. This is where I was at. And then I had this realization, this... Um, understanding of what's going on here. I started looking at his launch angle, which you just brought up launch angle. And a lot of people in baseball make a little bit too much of launch angle because it's not always about launch angle that gets it out of the ballpark. A lot of it's hard hit percentage. A lot of it's trying to hit line drives and you happen to get under. Well, you, know, you, you don't try, try to get under.
1: Plus barreling a baseball. You have to. Yeah.
0: So his launch angle in 2019, which is the second year that he had an MVP candidate season. It was 11.3, his average launch angle. Since then, went down to 7.1 in 2020, down to a career low 2.8 in 2021. And then here in 2022, his average launch angle is 3.4. So it's about a fourth of what his launch angle was in 2019.
1: So he's hitting a lot of ground balls.
0: His ground ball percentage has gone up since 2019 each and every year so he's hitting the shit out of the ball just beating it into the ground into the ground every single time and it's weird to me because it's the the, the reason i'm bringing this up is because he knows these numbers i'm not the first person that realizes this there was an article about it i think in the athletic last week i called one of my buddies that works for the brewers i wanted to get his thoughts on it i'm still waiting to hear back but i want to know how the brewers are operating this and maneuvering this? Are they coming up to Christian knows this? Christian knows he's hitting 60% of the balls hard, but he's hitting it on the ground. Nobody hits the ball harder in major league baseball, yet no very few are getting fewer hits than Yellich at this point. <laughs> yeah, so, because
1: it hits on ground balls are out in the big leagues. Yeah. So
0: my question to you is: are the brewers saying Yelich? Yelich, you need to hit the ball in the air more. Is I that mean, something gonna, that's
1: talked about?
0: Maybe. Maybe in, maybe in today's game. Yeah. This is year three of the same, like I said, fifth highest hard hit percentage in baseball in 2020.
1: This is what going is your, on three what years. Did your,
0: what did your buddy say? I'm still waiting to hear back.
1: Sounds like a buddy to me.
0: Damn. He did leave me on red. I let the voicemail. He'll get back to me. He always does. Okay. We'll see. But is that plausible to ask a guy to have more launch angle or to lift more? So I don't think you go about it that way. You don't go
1: about it like, hey, buddy, you need to hit the ball in the air. I think it's more, um, number one, you do your homework and say, why is is there something mechanical uh, that's causing this? Because if he's hitting the ball that hard, that means he's on time. And that means it's not an approach issue. Mm -hmm. So he's swinging at what he wants to swing at. So, yes, that tells me it must be mechanical, point of contact. Um, there's got to be a reason he is because if you if you're not hitting the ball square, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. It normally ground balls are miss hit balls, jammed, off the end, weak yeah. contact. But he's hitting it really hard. So that tells me that's his A swing, and that's his best swing. So that it's got to be something mechanical. It's got to be something where. His hand-eye coordination is good enough if he is swinging down the ball a bit to still square it up, and that could be the issue. Maybe he needs a little more uppercut in that swing. I I don't know. That's tough.
0: His ground ball percentage this year is 51.5, which is interesting because in 2018 when he won the MVP, it was 52.8. The numbers don't make sense. I want to bring this up because I wanted to pick your brain because it doesn't make sense in my head how a guy hit the ball this hard, this little success. Because
1: the longer you're in the league, the more at bats you have, the more numbers there are to stockpile into analytics and give you a better percentage and a better chance of standing exactly where he's going to hit the ball.
0: So you think when the shift is no longer allowed in 2023 that could have a major impact on him? I agree.
1: Major. He's affected by it big time. He pulls the ball on the ground very hard. Um so this is the the longer he plays, the more evidence there is going to be for a player to stand in this spot, this spot, and this spot because 70% of the balls on the grounds here, 60%, you know what I mean, like they know where to stand because he's done he's been in the league for I don't know, 10 years, mm-hmm. there's enough evidence to know this is where he's going to hit the ball. Good chance. And if he's hitting the ball as squarely as his numbers show, he's going to do it a lot because you don't play, you don't shift to for, for miss hits. You shift for well-hit
0: balls. I had this epiphany when I was looking at these numbers. I felt like Charlie Day, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. But the diagram on the board you know like i had all these numbers it, it, it just doesn't add up man. it doesn't add up baseball's been well, they, one more. In baseball the sucks too there's that ah, no that's a great game it's a great game what, what do you got on deck this week you're with nesson um man oh yeah wow
1: thanks for that you've been really exciting to listen time to. is it over there um, 8
0: 8 25 eastern time
1: yeah i've been uh so i had a late game last night i got back at one and then i had to be there at 8 30 this morning
0: you texted me yesterday. You're like, hey, maybe we could do it tonight. And this was Saturday if you're free. And I was like, yeah, of well, course, man. No, like, you said what? you weren't going to be time. able to do
1: it. That's only because you said you weren't going to be able to do it tonight. And I was yeah. like, well, we got to get it in before you replace me with like an uncle or something next. I was
0: like, you're no shot going to be able to do it Saturday night. You're an old I would have
1: partied. I would have partied if I needed to. You're an old um, I have four games, uh, Blue Jays series. Okay. And then Friday I head home.
0: You like Trevor Story in a Red Sox uniform so far? Man.
1: So I had this one coach. I'll get back. This is coming to Trevor Story. So some people just look good in a uniform, like in a uniform, right? So Carlos Fables, he's the third base coach for the Red Sox now. Mm-hmm. But he was my hitting coach in high A, Salem, Virginia in 2010. And when he was just one of those guys, he played the big leagues for a while, kind of jacked. Like, dang, dude, you look good. It must be like a good fitting unit. He goes pop. It ain't the unit. It's the hanger. <laughs> you don't get it. You have the, you. You don't get it. It's the Down hanger. Down low? What do you mean the hanger? His body is the hanger for the clothes. Danny, oh my God. Don't move.
0: Holy shit. I'm so lost right now. You mean like an actual hanger that hangs the clothes in a closet? If that's what you're referring to, I get it, but I don't think the joke is as good as you're making it seem. All right, let's explain
1: this for Danny because he's a dumbass. (laughs) We're back. All right, see the hanger? Yeah. All right, if you take this off and put it on, what's essentially the hanger inside of the shirt? The body. Ta da! (laughs) Fucking dumbass.
0: Oh, it's good to be back. I'm really glad we were able to make this work. You just ruined my joke, and it was actually
1: good. Bobby, it's not the uni, it's the hanger. He's saying his body is jacked.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Is it okay, Joe? I've heard much better. You've understood better, maybe I don't know. (laughs) Regardless. You Uh, should just edit that out, because that was pretty bad. All, right, all the Red Sox are vaccinated, yeah. Now,
1: Vax? no,
0: no. So you guys, we know. don't know. So
1: Tanner Houck, who is a starting pitcher slash bullpen arm, is definitely not. Chris Sale's not, but he's hurt anyways. Um, supposedly, there's more. We don't know yet. We'll find out. Obviously tomorrow. <sighs> Shake it. I got yawning.
0: Um, well, so we'll find out.
1: That's gonna be the. That's gonna be the story tomorrow. Like who made the trip and who didn't.
0: Get to bed. We'll talk more baseball, but uh, obviously always catch Brooksy on And You've been killing it, dude. The responses I've seen from fans, they love you on the broadcast or at least a pre and post game. Uh, oh, that's, those are all
1: my cousins. i pay off to tweet that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. By all of these fans, I mean your mom and Jenny, but, you know, you that's get fair. the idea. Jenny's not a fan. When you're that's not fair. catching Brooksy on and you're catching them on the Wake and Rake podcast powered by Swing Juice. A lot more merch coming to your way from swing juice we'll keep you all updated by the way update on the hats that reminds me the order of hats came in on saturday there was an issue with shipping not on our end of course because we're perfect and we make no mistakes but the order is in i'm sending out the hats asap so monday i'll be sending out the hats so i know there was a delay there we apologize we will have no complications because we're now powered by swing juice and they are perfect as well until next time, catch Brooksy on Nesson. Catch us on the Wake and Rake podcast. Peace out, party people. I'm still blown away this weekend.